name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. The psalm in the liturgy gospel today says, For with you is the fountain of life, in your light we see light. O continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. And we find that we can easily take as a theme this fountain of life and that all the readings are revolving around the fulcrum of this one word, fountain of life. And we see, we see Jesus as the fountain of life in all of these different readings. In the gospel that was just read, Jesus and his disciples are walking by this man who is blind from birth. And they ask him a question. And it's a question that we often ask. Um, when bad things happen, oftentimes we try to find blame. You know, um, well, this bad thing happened in my life because I did something bad. Or this bad thing happened in somebody else's life because they did something bad. Or this bad thing happened in somebody else's life because somebody did something bad and they did it to them. Or whatever. And we try to, we, somehow, <clears throat> we, attribute, we attribute bad things uh, to, to bad actions or bad thoughts or bad intentions previously. So, and Jesus' disciples weren't very any different, you know. Uh, and they say, so why was this man born blind? Is it because of his sin or his parents' sin? And so Jesus answers and he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now I want to pause for a second at Jesus' reply. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Really? Like, really. So him and his parents were completely blameless. Like, they've never done anything wrong ever, right? Remember, the guy who's saying this has, like, 20-20, um, you know, retrospective memory, right? And, you know, like, he can remember every last detail of the past and every detail of the future, and he can see everything. And when they say, who sinned, this man or his parents, you know... Anybody, anybody, you know, would like logically would say, well, I don't know, everybody's done a whole lot of bad things, you know. Uh, but he says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. We see here the character of Jesus is so clearly revealed in what he says. The character of Jesus versus kind of what naturally comes to us, right? If I fail an exam or something, I say, oh, I didn't study enough. Or, you know, it's because I, I know, shouted at my parents or something, God didn't help me. Or, and I hear a variety of these different kinds of, um, of explanations all the time. But we find here the character of God is explicit. It says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be revealed in him. What is Jesus's ultimate goal from this phrase, from his answer? His ultimate goal is that God be revealed to us. If you want to know, you know, like you can ask what the meaning of life is and you can ask that question to uh, 20 different people and you might get 20 different answers, right? But if you were to ask Jesus, what, what, why am I here? What am I doing here? He'd say, that God might be revealed to you. That God may be revealed to you. That's why I'm on this planet. I'm on this, this is my engagement period where I'm getting to know my heavenly bridegroom, my divine spouse that I will spend the rest of eternity with whether I like it or not. And if I like it, it'll be like, like bliss, it'll be heaven. And if I don't like it, it might be very, <clears throat> very unfortunate, right? And 
he says that the works of God might be revealed in him. So let us delve deeper into the character of this man who finds no fault, neither in this man nor in his parents. And we find that his parents were not like the most honorable people as the story goes on, right? When, when they're about to get in trouble, they throw their blind from birth begging son left to beg at the door of the the sheep gate or something like that, left to beg, they throw him under the bus, right? You know, so like they're not the most honorable of folk, but even then Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus isn't here to keep account of all the bad things I've done. (laughs) Jesus is here to reveal himself to you and to me. That's That's what he is the most concerned about. So let's look back at all of the other readings and see how they inform us about this fountain of life. If we go the whole way back to Vespers, last night, last night's readings in preparation for today, the psalm says, Behold, he struck the rock. This is in reference to Moses in the wilderness as the people of Israel were walking through the desert for 40 years. Um, uh, on their way to the promised land. And they're walking through the desert and deserts are dry and there's nothing to drink in the desert. And so Moses um, prays to God and God tells him to speak to this rock and from it will come fountains of water. And so what does Moses do? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and streams overflowed. The waters gushed out and streams overflowed. This week, uh, uh, I decided, since I'm talking about the fountain of life, to ask a bunch of people, just for fun, right? If if you were to go to heaven and you were to to, to find in heaven a fountain, right? What would you want that fountain like to be? Like a fountain of what? So um, I asked some children uh, and I asked a couple of of, uh, people who are slightly older. And I got um, I got chocolate, I got gold, I got um, I got I got diamonds, I got fruit punch, um, um, and uh, I ask you, you know, if you go to heaven, right, and the angel shows you the piece of real estate that has been, you know, given to you in the kingdom of God, right, and you've got this. This, you've got this beautiful, uh, you know, uh, flowing green hills and this beautiful cottage, right? And, and uh, you know, the doorknobs are made of gold. The cobblestone up to, your, up to your cottage on the little green hill is made of gold. And in the courtyard is this fountain. And, and, and it, it overflowing out of this fountain is whatever you want. What would you say, right? I want to tell you, I'll tell you as we go through the readings briefly, ever so briefly, what St. Paul would say if if we were to ask him that question. So, Matins this morning, the, the gospel was Jesus saying, I am the bread of life which came down from heaven. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and died. Your fathers, the people of Israel, as they were walking through the desert for 40 years, God fed them with, with manna, which came down from heaven, right? And it was these little wafers of some description. 
and God fed them. But they ate those, they ate that, that bread which came down from heaven and they died. But I am the true bread which comes down from heaven. And he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood shall live forever. And he repeats it three times exactly the same. And two other times he repeats it using slightly different words. Jesus is trying to tell us the fountain of life. The fountain of immortality is right here. It's right here, folks. It's not yoga, right? It's the fountain of youth, right? It's right here, right? Do yoga. If you want to do yoga, that's a topic for another day, right? But the fountain of youth and the fountain of immortality is right here. His name is Jesus Christ. Then we get to the epistle of the Romans. And St. Paul is saying, you have been grafted in. And I was explaining in the introduction to the readings, um, uh, I had the, the, the pleasure of, of like touring a vineyard once. And so I asked all these questions about all these things that I never understood in scripture to these master vine dressers. So I asked them, how do, you, how do you graft a vine? So they said, well, let me show you. So they went and showed me a vine and it just had some, uh, it just had some, some, uh, some like uh, cloth, you know, this branch was, was all bound up with some cloth. And I, and I asked them, so how do you do that? So they went and showed me this tool. It's kind of like a hole puncher, um, uh, but instead of a hole puncher on the end, it's got like two, two sharp edges that are all, that are um, uh, like very uh, wavy. Like they've got these big sort of like waves, you know, and they fit, fit in each other. So what they do is they go, they cut, they cut the healthy branch off an unhealthy vine with that. And then they go to a healthy vine and they go somewhere on the trunk and they use the same cutter to cut. So they end up with a mirror image of that cut. So you end up with a really wide surface area of contact between the branch and the trunk. And then they put them together like that and then they bind them all up, right? And they make sure that the plant stays really well watered. And if there's one plant they're paying tons of attention to, it's that one, right? And it takes about, it takes about a season right before they unwrap it and by the next season can't even tell the difference right and that's how they graft branches new good branches into a good vine if they find that there is a branch which is really fruitful but the vine is dying so saint paul is telling us you were in this world right which is kind of forgive me like you know going to the crapper it's like not doing very well it's going down the tubes right and god took you and he saved you and he grafted you into himself he grafted you into he grafted you into himself and that's that's what the epistle of the romans was about the the next the next reading was from 1 John and St. John was telling us, he who has the Son has life. Look, I want to tell you, it's very simple, St. John is saying. Love God and love your neighbor and live according to that. Anything else doesn't make sense. Anything else doesn't make sense. That's, that's all, that's the summary of everything that, everything that has to be said. Love God and love your neighbor, right? And that's... And that's the bind, that's the glue that holds the grafted vine into the tree. Finally, in the book of Acts, St. Peter was saying that the Holy Spirit was given to these Gentiles, to these Romans. God forbid, there's nothing that Jews hated more at that time than Romans. And they had very, they had reason anyways to, you know, to not like them very much, right? Taxes, oppression, occupation, name it, right? 
And he says, the Holy Spirit was given to them the same as it was given to us. The book of Acts is trying to tell us there's no discrimination. God doesn't care how tall, how short you are. He doesn't care how smart, how, how you know, not necessarily super educated you are. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. How, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't care where you come from, or what your sexual orientation is. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He cares about you. He wants you. Everything else he can sort out later. But come, come, accept him. Join him. Be grafted into him, the fountain of life. Now, if we look elsewhere in scripture, we can find some other really beautiful, really beautiful words about this fountain of life. In Isaiah, it says, Therefore, with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. I want to tell you something. What, what is this fountain of life in my own personal life? I was asking myself, I can tell you all this nice, like, theological stuff or whatever, right? But I want to tell you something personal and practical. This well of life is very simply this. This week, something happened that really upset me. And I was supposed to, I usually have, like, at least a half day at my desk to, you know, answer emails, prepare talks, do research, that kind of stuff, right? Write letters, right? So that was my half day at my desk, or it was supposed to be a full day, but it turned into a half day. And little by little, it was getting chipped away, and the work isn't getting done, and other things are happening. So I was, I was quite upset. I, I was so upset I couldn't work. So I said, you know what? Forget this, right? I'm not going to do any this pile of work I have to do. I'm not going to do any of this work. I'm just going to... I'm just going to open my Bible. So I opened my Bible and I sat and I read. And as I was reading, I was reading about David and about how David, though despite being anointed king at the time of Saul, while Saul was still king, felt no entitlement to the throne whatsoever. And I was really um, amazed. I was so amazed at how uh, David had no sense of entitlement. He had even no sense of entitlement towards his own life. Like he was, he, he, he didn't really feel like it was a big deal if he died doing the will of God or doing, doing the will of the king, although the king was like very wicked at the time, right? And it really made me think and reflect about my sense of entitlement regarding my time. And I tell you the truth, it changed not the rest of my day, the rest of my week. I could have gone through my work grumbling and, you know, chipping away at it. And I would have gotten it done eventually. Everything gets done eventually. Or it doesn't get done and it didn't need to get done in the first place. I would have gotten my stuff done. But I would have chipped away at it. Grumbling, upset, frustrated. Just yesterday I was sitting um, with uh, somebody. And we were talking about how the, wor the word of God... I promise you, like, I, I, I don't know how else to say it. The, the Word of God has power. Like, the words on this page, the words on this page are not just little black letters, little black inscriptions one beside the next with little white spaces in between them and little white spaces between one line and the next. They're not, I promise you. I promise you there's so much more to the story than that. There is power of God in these words. Truly, truly, there is power of God to change us. I believe that like I believe 
the core that is in me. I didn't read anything that was particularly uplifting. I didn't read anything that like lifted my spirits or encouraged me. I didn't read anything particularly convic- convicting. I mean, I was convicted that like I was so greedy with my time and... Um, you know, King David was not even like, you know, and didn't even feel a sense of entitlement towards his own life. But all I can tell you is there was a radical change in me. And I want to tell you, this is not a one-off. This is, this is my usual experience. I've learned now. I've learned when I'm upset, I turn to God's word. And a lot of people are going to say, well, you know what, Father John, I don't... I read the Bible sometimes, or I've read the Bible, or I've read this, I've read that, but I don't understand. I promise you, I don't remember what I read. Ask me what chapter I was reading. I was reading 1 Samuel, but what, what chapter did I read? What verse was it that touched me? I don't know. The, the work didn't happen here. The transformation happened here. God's word just changes us. It's nice if I understand. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I learned something. Um, But that's not where it's at. And I know it's so hard for us to accept this. um, And it was so hard for me to accept this initially. Especially in a Western world. In a Western world, all of our like interaction with the universe largely happens above our ears. We're very cerebral. Right? And in Eastern world, people are very, you know, they're very emotional and they're very, you know, and here we are in sort of the, you know, multicultural Toronto at the intersection of these cultures, right? And we have all of this, um, all of these different things going on. But we Westerners like to understand, right? But at the end of the day, I can understand everything there is to understand and not be changed. Or I can be changed without ever having really gone through, you know, uh, a rational process. This, this journey, I'll finish with this story, started for me a long, long time ago with my previous spiritual father. I've said this story to multiple people in spiritual guidance, but I don't know if I've ever said it at the pulpit. For about 10 years or so, my previous spiritual father told me, you should read 10 chapters of the Bible a day. And I told him, I would tell him, Father, it takes me like 45 minutes to get through one chapter. And he says, well, well, why? Do, do, you need, do you need glasses or something? And he was, he was very sweet. He wasn't saying it sarcastically, like he wanted to go out and buy me glasses. And I told him, no, like, I mean, like, I, I read a word, I don't understand it, I look it up in the dictionary, and this and that. And so by the time I get through a chapter, it's been like 45 minutes as I look things up and so on. He goes, well, why are you doing that? I said, well, so I can understand what I'm reading. He goes, why do you under- want to understand? He was looked, looked at me like as if I was crazy. And I told him, Father, because like, what's the point of reading something if you don't understand what you're reading? That doesn't make any sense. He's like, well, why do you want to understand? And he kind of kept repeating the question. And I, and I, I tell him, he tell him, no, 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 forget about all that stuff. Just read. Just put your finger on the page and read, you know? At about four minutes per chapter, it should take you about 40 minutes to an hour to finish reading 10 chapters. Read 10 chapters a day. Don't worry about it. For 10 years, we had this conversation. For 10 years, he would ask me, am I reading my 10 chapters? And for 10 years, I would tell him, no, it takes me about 45 minutes to get through one chapter. We were getting nowhere, right? And uh, finally, at one point, he told me what I just told you. These aren't words on a page. There isn't, they're not little black letters with a white background. They're little black letters held upheld by the power of God. 
It's the power of God holding these letters together. It's the power of God to change you, to transform you, to make you like the only begotten Son of God. It doesn't matter whether you understand. It matters how much you are transformed. It matters how attentive you are and how much God is transforming you. I still didn't understand. He told me, look, I'll tell you. A while ago, he told me a story about myself, very similar to the story I told you. He said, I was very upset. I woke up in the morning. He was a very moody person, my previous spiritual father. said, so it wasn't difficult for me to believe that he woke up one day on the wrong side of the bed. Right? And he said, I was so upset. I felt a little voice in me telling me, read the Bible. I said, no, I'm not going to read the Bible. He said, no, just, just read the Bible. So he said, fine, I'll read the Bible. He said, I'm going to open the Bible randomly and God will send me a message. And he said, a little voice told him, no, just go to where your bookmark is and read. He's like, no, I'm going to do what I want. And then finally he just he succumbed and he opened where his bookmark was. His bookmark was at First Chronicles. Have you ever read First Chronicles? First Chronicles sounds something like this. Adam, Seth, Enoch, name, 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 name after 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 name, for about three and a half chapters. Then there's like, and then he had a son. And his sons were name after name, name after name, name after name, name after name. Like, there's nothing comforting in that, right? He, tell, he was telling me, John, I hadn't finished the fourth chapter, and I was bouncing with joy. I was bouncing with joy. I didn't know what to do with myself. I started calling people and telling people how lovely Jesus is. And, and, and I, I, felt, I felt restless. I needed to leave the house. So I got up and I left. I went to the church and I prayed. Then I remembered somebody who was sick in the hospital. I went and visited him. He goes, I spent the whole day going and sharing the joy of Jesus with people. He goes, and at the end of the day, I walked in the house and I thought to myself, this is my spiritual father speaking. So I thought to myself, what happened? I woke up this morning and I just wanted to kill everybody that had a pulse. You know, those weren't his exact words, but similar. And now, all of a sudden, I, I, I'm longing to go out and love people and, and serve them and wash their feet and see what they need and help them and, and, and do things for other people. What happened? I read name after name, name after name, name after name. Is it the words? Was it a rational process that he was, that he was describing to me? It wasn't. That story is what convinced me that I should just... Stop arguing with him, since I've been arguing with him for 10 years. And just do it. Just try it. And honestly, try it. Try reading four or five chapters a day. It'll take you less than 20 minutes. That's just one way in which Jesus is the fountain of life. Just read attentively. Whatever you understand, great. It's a bonus. Whatever you don't understand, don't worry. Give, give it five to 10 days. And see, see the change that happens in your life. See, see for yourself. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see what it says in Isaiah. With joy they shall draw waters out of wells of salvation. The well is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The word of God given to us in his scripture. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.